We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. I say us because James Blend is producing, Clark Hilton Engineering, and Dan Rice has given up the use of his office for the sake of the cause. Now, James is going to join me in the second half of this first hour as we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. And in the second hour of today's program, we'll share the Christian outlook. I had the opportunity to host, and we're going to hear from a number of very poignant um, talkers as well as their guests. So that's coming up in the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. First, looking at some of the day's headlines, there's a lot of talk going around right now that President Biden's National Day of Prayer proclamation left out the word God. Like his predecessors, predecessors, let's say that correctly, President Biden issued a proclamation on the National Day of Prayer this week, which of course was yesterday, but one word was missing. Now, if you were nitpicking, I suppose you would have noticed But both former presidents, Barack Obama and Donald Trump, mentioned God in their National Day of Prayer proclamations. But President Biden's proclamation never mentions God, only Americans, many religions and belief systems and the power of prayer. Well, you can make of it what you will. But throughout our history, Americans of many religions and belief systems have turned to prayer for strength, hope and guidance. Now, you don't turn to prayer. You pray and turn to God. But that's, again, nitpicking. The president's proclamation reads prayer has nourished countless souls, empowered moral movements, including essential fights against racial justice or rather injustice, child labor and infringements on the rights of disabled Americans. Prayer is also a daily practice for many, whether it is to ask for help or strength or to give thanks over blessings bestowed. Well, meanwhile, President Trump's 2017 proclamation mentioned God five times. His 2018 proclamation mentioned God five times and his 2019 proclamation seven times. His 2020 proclamation 11 times. Now, does that mean that one man is better than the other? I'll leave that for you to answer, but my answer would be no. Uh, While the proclamation itself didn't include God, Biden's remarks for the occasion did say the coronavirus vaccine was developed by the grace of God. So I guess the word was actually used. Anyway, that's what people are talking about right about now. I'm just delighted that there was a proclamation issued, and I hope it uh, gave moment of pause for not only this, but every president who has engaged in penning one, although most people have them pinned for them. In the uh, in the meantime, other developments, Reverend Franklin Graham, he reacted to the president's leaving God out of the prayer proclamation, saying there is no one else to pray to. Sarah Carter says Biden's border policies are fueling a sprawling cartel-linked pot-growing operation far inland. And Sean Hannity blasted the White House after Saki, who is the White House press secretary, admitted strategically hiding the president from unscripted press questions. Now, The media should have been all over that, but of course, he's their boy. So the White House edited a transcript to downplay their support for Ukraine to join NATO. And the White House slammed Florida's new voting bill, saying it's moving in the wrong direction. President Biden has repeated the false claim about his infrastructure plan after Stetler praised him for listening to fact checkers. And Mitch McConnell says 
there's a real chance President Biden and Democrats could work with the GOP on bipartisan an infrastructure bill. Ron Klain, who's President Biden's powerful chief of staff, uh, leads the White House rife with dark money ties. There's a lot being said about that right about now. Well, President Biden has padded his administration with a number of individuals with strong ties to progressive dark money groups, including his chief of staff, Ron Klain, which could t- provide a pipeline for the groups to push their agenda to the White House. President Biden has surrounded himself with such individuals, despite aligning with the left wing flank by calling it uh, for an end to dark money groups on his campaign website. Well, Mr. Klain, who has a long history with Biden dating back to the 1980s, now helps steer his political agenda from the Oval Office. Klain has ties with the Center for American Progress, or CAP, Action Fund, a Washington, D.C.-based organization led by Hillary Clinton aide John Podesta. Klain, for several years, served on the group's board of directors, which doesn't disclose its donors in tax forms. CAP held significant influence with the Obama administration as Biden served as vice president and likely will again with Klain as Biden's right-hand man. Klain has touted CAP several times on Twitter over the years and praised their 2018 pressure campaign to get businesses to cut ties with the National Rifle Association. Association, tweeting, big, big, big kudos to the team at Think Progress at AMP Progress for spearheading this dramatic turnaround, end quote. Believe it or not, dark money is about to get even darker, Klain tweeted in 2018, less than a year before Biden announced his candidacy for president. Biden heavily benefited from hundreds of millions of dollars in dark money, according to a Center for Responsive Political Analysis. In other developments, President Biden's climate nominee touted the environmental upside to the pandemic. So if you were wondering, is there any benefit to the pandemic? Well, apparently there's an environmental upside. I'm not sure if we weep or if we celebrate. Liberal dark money groups are driving efforts to pack the Supreme Court and dark money surpasses one billion dollars or rather surpassed in 2020, mostly boosting Democrats. It will be interesting to see what the story is at the end of 2021. A Minnesota bank standoff has ended. The uh, hostages are safe and the suspect is in custody. The suspect was in custody last night following an hours-long hostage situation. It stemmed from an attempted bank robbery at a Wells Fargo bank branch in St. Cloud, Minnesota. All hostages were safe and unharmed, city police uh, say, but the suspect was identified by police as Ray Rico McNary, according to the St. Cloud Times. He was seen being led out of the bank shortly before 11.30 p.m. In March, McNary was booked into jail on suspicion of two counts of felony domestic assault, the paper reported. Uh, Stearns County Attorney Janelle Kendall said her office expected to have formal charges for him sometime today. At least four hostages were released shortly before 10 p.m., all of them bank employees, according to the Associated Press, and it wasn't immediately clear if there were any other hostages in the building. Police deployed all of their resources to the scene, spokeswoman said, and the FBI was assisting negotiators. Um, They had been working uh, uh, to free the hostages most of the evening. Fort Jackson IDs the trainee that's been accused of hijacking a school bus with an Army-issued M4. And Jen Psaki admits that Biden's taking impromptu reporter questions is, well, not something we recommend. Now, the follow-up question should have been, why? He is the president of the United States, the most powerful leader in the world. Why on earth would you not recommend he take impromptu questions from reporters? And where is the hue and cry from reporters whose questions are not being addressed? 
Well, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms says no to re-election. A study finds the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine is effective against coronavirus variants. Well, Pfizer CEO calls the Biden vaccine patent waiver uh, the push toward one so wrong. And Apple's App Store chief fends off attacks in an antitrust trial. San Francisco lost its biggest convention of 2021 due to COVID-19. Join the club. And residents left big metro areas during the pandemic for family. Well, Alaska's tourism economy has been frozen as the pandemic weighs heavily on the cruise industry. And AMC Theater CEO says the movie, well, at least movie going, is coming back in an optimistic statement. Well, scandals are emerging in the young Biden administration. From one story, President Biden has padded his administration with a number of individuals with strong ties to progressive dark money groups, including his chief of staff we mentioned earlier. Biden has surrounded himself with such individuals, despite aligning with the left wing flank by calling for an end to dark money groups on his campaign website. But I guess dark money that comes from one end of the ideological political spectrum is more important to ban than the other end of that political ideological spectrum. Meanwhile, a separate story notes the Biden administration is preparing to give a free pass to researchers and scientists who knowingly defrauded U.S. taxpayers in in cooperation with China. A group of Republican senators has warned. The administration is yet to announce the amnesty plan, but is expected to start the program in the next few weeks, according to the senators, who raised alarm about it in a letter Thursday to Attorney General Merrick Garland. A man is going to compete as a woman in the U.S. Olympics weightlifting category. He's 43. He's lived as a male for 35 years, and he'll be competing against women who have been biological women their whole life and will enjoy a significant physical advantage. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll take a quick break, but we will be back. Continue to look at the day's headlines. Also, later this hour, we'll look at the lighter side of the news as well. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Later in the second hour of the program, we'll share the Christian outlook. We'll hear from John and Kelly Emmons, or John Hall and Kelly Emmons. Uh, from the Ride Home, one of our sister stations, they're going to talk with Jerry Boyer of Town Hall Finance about stockholders as the last line of defense against woke, publicly held corporations. We'll also hear from Dr. Albert Moeller on why President Biden's American Families Plan is nothing more than government-funded child care and why this should have our attention in the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, a man uh, is going to compete as a woman in the Olympics weightlifting, which is one example of an ongoing debate across this country in which women are fighting for their virtual um, sporting lives to avoid having to compete with men who have a significant biological advantage over them, even uh, when they are taking feminine hormones. And Texas Democrats have rejected the resignation of the Democrat who called Senator Tim Scott Oreo. From the story, Lamar County Democrat Party Chairman Gary O'Connor, who is white, told the Washington Examiner in a statement that he was deeply and sincerely sorry for using the racist term against Scott, one of three black senators and the only black Republican. However, the Lamar County Democratic Party issued its own statement late Tuesday. After much discussion, especially among our local black Democrats, we choose not to accept Mr. O'Connor's resignation. Now, consider if the tables had been turned. 
the pile-on would have been uh, obnoxious. From Texas GOP Chair Alan West, when you want to talk about institutionalized racism, when you want to talk about the systematic racism and the purveyors thereof, it's the Democrat Party. They've always been. They've never voted for the 13th, 14th, or 15th Amendments. They are the party of Jim Crow. They're the party of segregation, of slavery. And now, thanks to the soft bigotry of low expectations, they're the party that sees independent thinking black men and women as a threat. Well, the white farmer is suing the Biden administration for his racist coronavirus relief plan. Adam Faust, a disabled farmer, is one of five people in the state last week to sue the administration over the terms of the American Rescue Plan, which provides aid to socially disadvantaged farmers. In a federal lawsuit filed in Green Bay, the group alleges that since that definition only includes minority groups and not white people who are disadvantaged socially, they have been denied equal protection under the law. And... The woke told 82-year-old Justice Breyer to retire and make room for a black female. Senator Feinstein, who is 87, is defending Breyer, who has herself been confronted by the same woke call for her to step aside. Deportations dipped to an all-time low, under 3,000 in April, the first time since records were kept. And this is as the border is overwhelmed due to Biden's policies. Minority students are less likely to be back in school from the story. The latest numbers in the Education Department survey conducted in March are an improvement from earlier in the year. But while 51 percent of white fourth and eighth graders uh, were in school uh, that are open full time, that was true for only 31 percent of blacks and 30 percent of Hispanic students in those same grades. Atlanta's mayor won't run for re-election. Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, who is being considered to uh, run as uh, president or rather uh, candidate Biden's running mate, adored by the hard left and the media, was not as popular as they make her appear. Eric Erickson nationally, uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms got a lot of favorable press in Atlanta. She was alienated. Uh, she has alienated everyone. She will not now seek re-election, as even Democrats openly blame her for the city's crime wave. Senator Elizabeth Warren says we need to break up Facebook. She criticized them for tossing Trump from the platform, but followed that up with, I'm glad that he's not on Facebook. So you can't really have it both ways. So what you did was wrong, but I'm glad you did it to my enemy is apparently what she was saying. A 23 ton part of a Chinese rocket is heading for an unknown part of the earth this weekend. Well, you have a better chance of winning the lottery than getting hit, but still you have a chance. China, unlike other countries that put rockets into orbit, seems unconcerned where it lands, and no one knows where it will land. Well, around the nation, Tennessee is banning public schools from teaching racist critical race theory, and Governor Ron DeSantis signs a sweeping election integrity bill into law. Election reforms multiply in states all across the nation. South Carolina plans to add a firing squad to its execution methods. Twitter oligarchs have suspended a non-affiliated account that was posting Donald Trump's statements. It wasn't his account, but they were posting his words. Hunter Biden continues to hold 10 percent stake in a Chinese firm. And Chinese greenhouse gas emissions are now larger than those of all developed countries combined. Disinformation? Well, a global poll finds that the U.S. is seen as the bigger threat to democracy than Russia or China. Well, this day in history, 1975, President Gerald Ford formally declares an end to the Vietnam War. In Ho Chi Minh City, formerly Saigon, the Viet Cong celebrates its takeover. 
1915, a German U-boat torpedoes and sinks the British liner RMS Lusitania off the southern coast of Ireland, killing 1,198 people, including 128 Americans out of the nearly 2,000 on board. 1945, Germany signs an unconditional surrender at Allied headquarters in Reims, France, ending its role in World War II. 1984, a $180 million out-of-court settlement is announced in the Agent Orange class action suit brought by Vietnam veterans who say they were injured by exposure to the defoliant. Boy, these Vietnam vets have been through so much. Well, U.S. hiring sharply uh, misses the expectation in April with just 266,000 new jobs added. An expected U.S. hiring boom crashed into uh, a wall in April. Employers added merely... 266,000 new jobs, sharply missing what Wall Street's expectations had been. The unemployment rate unexpectedly rose to 6.1%, while it's still well below the April 2020 peak of 14.7. It's about twice the pre-crisis level, the Labor Department said in its monthly payroll uh, report released on Friday morning. Economists surveyed by Refine, uh, Refine It TV or something like that, expected the report to show that unemployment fell to 5.8% and the economy added 978,000 jobs, but it didn't. The figure marks a significant drop from March's downwardly revised numbers of uh, 770,000 in February's upward uh, revised 536,000. Well, a federal grand jury in uh, Minnesota has voted to indict the four former Minneapolis police officers involved in the May 25th, 2020 arrest of George Floyd, according to indictments unsealed earlier today. The three count indictment names Derek Chauvin, Thomas Lane, uh, Jay Koenig and Tao Thao. Specifically, Chauvin, Thao and Koenig are charged with violating Floyd's rights to be to uh, be free from unreasonable seizure and excessive force. All four officers are charged for their failure to provide Floyd with medical care. Chauvin was also charged in a second indictment stemming from the arrest and the neck restraint of a 14-year-old boy in 2017. Meanwhile, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi uh, and um, Kiribati's President Tani Tu Again, I'm not sure of those pronunciations. Shook hands during a signing ceremony at the Great Hall of the People in Beijing, China, back in January of 2020. Well, China has drawn up plans to upgrade an airstrip and bridge on one of uh, Kiribati, uh, Kiribati's remote islands about 3,000 kilometers southwest of Hawaii. Lawmakers told Reuters in a bid to revive a site that hosted military aircraft during World War II. The plans, with, uh, which have not been made public, involve construction on the tiny island of Canton, also spelled with a K or a C, a coral atoll strategically located midway between Asia and the Americas. Kiribati's opposition lawmaker, Tessie uh, Lamborn, told Reuters she was concerned about the project and wanted to know whether it was part of China's Belt and Road Initiative. The government hasn't shared the cost and other details other than it's a feasibility study for the rehabilitation of the runway and bridge. Uh, the opposition will be seeking more information from government in due course. Well, the office of Kiribati president uh, didn't respond to specific questions. The Chinese foreign ministry did not immediately respond to questions either. Despite being small, Kiribati, a nation of 120,000 residents, controls one of the biggest exclusive economic zones in the world, 
covering more than 3.5 million square kilometers of the Pacific. Any significant buildup on Canton, located 3,000 kilometers or 1,800 miles southwest of Hawaii and U.S. military bases there, would offer a foothold to China deep into territory that had been firmly aligned with the United States and its allies since World War II. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. When we return, we're going to pivot to the lighter side of the news, and I'll invite James Blinn to join me to do just that. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. We are now pivoting from the uh, news headlines to the lighter side of the news, and joining me to do just that is James Blind, the producer of this program. Welcome, James. Thank you. Well, this story might uh, feel a little little bit close to home for you, James. Trillions of cicadas are about to emerge all across the U.S. Well, not all across. They'll be in 15 states from Indiana to Georgia to New York. And I know you are a native New Yorker. Yes. Do you remember having experienced that in your your time in New York? You know, I do. I really do. I mean, I I can literally hear the noise in my head if I try Mm -hmm. um, because it's so rhythmic and patterned. Um, and they're all in, basically in unison. Um, it, it's the weird part is to find out that it's every couple of years that happens. Cause to my memory from childhood, it was most years. Um, uh, if not all, because I, I very rarely remember a summer without them, but, um, it's probably that it just gets so embedded because it is a, uh, you know, it becomes what I would refer to as a familiar sound in my childhood. So yeah, I remember them all the time. Kind of interesting because there are different broods um, that emerge at different times. But this is what the the news report says. Sifting through a shovel load of dirt in a suburban backyard, uh, this couple found their quarry, a cicada nymph, and then another and another and four more. Well, it may be a third of a square foot of dirt. The University of Maryland entomologist found at least seven cicadas, uh, a rate just shy of a million per acre. A nearby yard yielded a rate of closer to 1.5 million, and there's much more coming. Trillions, that's with a T, trillions of the red-eyed black bugs are coming, scientists say. Within days, a couple weeks at most, uh, the cicadas brood X, which is the Roman numeral for 10, will emerge after 17 years underground. There are many broods of periodic cicadas that appear on rigid schedules in different years, but uh, this is the one... Uh, this is the largest one and the most noticeable. They'll be in 15 states, as I mentioned, from Indiana, Georgia, New York. They're coming out now in mass numbers in Tennessee and North Carolina. And when the entire brood emerges, backyards can look like undulating waves and the bugs chorus as lawnmower uh, loud. So um, they come in waves. Some of them are larger than others. So you may have heard them pretty much every year, but they would have been from different broods. Right. And this one in particular is the uh, considered one of the larger, more sig- uh, significant among them. They'll most likely come out at dusk to try to avoid everything that wants to eat them, squiggling out of uh, their holes in the ground. They'll try to climb up trees or anything vertical. Uh, once off the ground, they shed their skins and try to survive that vulnerable stage before they become dinner to a host of critters, including ants, birds, dogs, cats. And other things. It's one of nature's weirdest events featuring, well, procreation, a race against death, evolution. Well, anyway, and what can sound like a bad science fiction movie soundtrack. So all of that is going on in various parts across the country, about 15, I think, 15 states. 
so it makes you kind of glad to be in the Pacific Northwest? You know, honestly, I still kind of miss it. I mean, you know, they don't. Uh, you do find the the casings uh, of the of the shedding quite a bit fall, yeah. that are falling out of the trees. They're crunchy. You walk on them. It's like it's like walking on a dry leaf. To be honest, um, no no more disgusting than that. Other than they're in the shape of a cicada. Uh, but overall, I mean, they're big, but they're harmless, and uh, but they're very noisy. And I would love to see some at dusk because the ones I remember started at pretty much around sun up, and didn't shut didn't shut up until about uh, seven o'clock at night. So uh, they kept pretty busy for a long time. Uh, so they're they're big. How long does this typically last? I mean, is it just a day? Is it a week? Uh, Do you it, remember? It, it, it can go. It depends. I think if I recall correctly, it depends on the brood. It can go anywhere from a couple days to a couple months. Oh, wow. Um, I I can remember them lasting much of the summer. Well, I'm grateful that we don't have big bugs like that in the Pacific Northwest, reminding us of their presence and shedding their skin. (laughs) Well, a Belgian farmer made France a bit smaller by accident when he moved a rock. Who knew something quite so innocent and innocuous could make such a difference? Well, an unnamed farmer moved a border demarcation stone that separates France and Belgium. It wasn't an ordinary rock. Clearly, that's what a Belgian farmer learned after he moved a sizable stone that constantly disrupted his tractor path. But it turned out the rock was actually a marker that served as a divider for France and Belgium. Moving the stone marker 7.5 feet reportedly made France smaller and Belgium larger. The shifted border was first noticed by a local who explored the boundary earlier in the year. The two two areas, rather, that were directly affected by the moved stone are the French commune and the Belgian municipality, which are both rural lands located south of the North Sea. Well, the mayor of one of those uh, areas shared a, a Facebook post on Monday that showed the stone is currently sitting next to a tree, fallen branches, and a wire fence. As pictured, uh, the rectangular demarcation stone is engraved with the N1819 to indicate it marks the Franco-Belgian border. Multiple stones like this were erected between the two countries. France and Belgium officially established the 390-mile border in 1820 with the Treaty of something. Well, five years before the treaty, France, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte led the Battle of Waterloo, a war that targeted the Seventh Coalition, which was made up of several European powers that refused to recognize Napoleon as emperor. British, Prussian, German, and Dutch forces defeated Napoleon, and present-day Waterloo uh, is part of Belgium. Well, exact borders between the two countries, um, the UK, Netherlands, Belgium, and so on, France, were established following that treaty, and Belgium inherited its border when it achieved independence from the Netherlands in 1830. Well, the movement of the border stone could potentially be viewed as a violation of the 201-year-old treaty, however, The BBC reported that authorities have reached out to the farmer who moved it. If the farmer complies and returns the stone to its rightful place, he should be able to avoid legal trouble, according to the news outlet. So before you move things around, you might want to check and make sure you're not changing the course of history or that you might uh, spark the start of a new conflict. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, you know, they they always say in the science fiction novels about uh, time travel and stuff, what they call it, what's a butterfly effect, mm-hmm. where if you step on a butterfly, you could change the whole of history as it, as it, as you knew it. But uh, this is this is taking that to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah, in real time. Yeah. Well, this is from Babylon B, but I wanted to share it. And, and of course, this is a satirical 
uh, group. The, uh, and the headline read, Internet inventor Al Gore bans Trump from Internet. From his cool air-conditioned mansion, famed genius and Internet inventor Al Gore held a press conference today where he officially banned Donald Trump from the Internet. As the inventor of the Internet, and of course you might recall during his political heyday, uh, said that he was the one who invented the Internet. I hereby declare Trump banned for life, Gore said solemnly. He's not allowed on Twitter, Facebook, Angel Fire, MySpace, GeoCities, AOL, Google, Tinder, TikTok, anything. If it's uh, on the Internet, it's under my domain, end quote. My people aren't aware that Gore invented the Internet, or many people, but the claim is true. Having been fact-checked as double-plus true by Snopes, one urban legend claimed that Bob Internet invented the Internet in 1995, but he turned out to be a fraud. The true story is that Gore was sitting around at a White House mixer in late 1996 and was pretty plastered. You know what uh, would be totally rad, he said, according to several witnesses? A global system of interconnected computer networks that uses the Internet protocol suite to communicate between networks and devices. Well, the DJ suddenly stopped playing uh, Wannabe by the Spice Girls, and the room fell silent. That's, that's genius, shouted Bill Clinton, his arms around, well, never mind. Let's make it happen. Everyone cheered, and the Spice Girls song resumed, and so the Internet was invented. With Gore's latest declaration, Trump will no longer be allowed to be within a 1,000 feet of any device that has the Internet, which includes smartphones, computers, and now most toasters and refrigerators. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a private flight to catch. Uh, Gore concluded as he walked out of the back door of his private hangar and airstrip to board a flight to his next speech on climate change. I just thought it was <laughs> hilarious <laughs> and wanted to share that. It's amazing how close to, to what we perceive to be the truth they come sometimes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, back to the uh, real world. Well, a Connecticut middle school teacher who raised $41,000 to help hundreds of his struggling neighbors during the COVID pandemic got an unwelcome surprise from his charitable efforts, or rather for his charitable efforts, a form stating that he could owe $16,031 in income taxes. Well, we're going to take a break. When we return, I'll tell you more about it. No good deed goes unpunished. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. James Blend helping me take a look at the lighter side of the news. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. On this Friday edition, we're taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news. Well, just before the break, I mentioned that a Connecticut middle school teacher, concerned about his neighbors who were struggling financially, raised $41,000 to help hundreds of them, his neighbors, during COVID-19. Well, he got an unwelcome surprise for his charitable efforts, a form stating that he could owe $16,031. Well, the 27-year-old of Mansfield, Connecticut, started picking up groceries for elderly neighbors afraid to go to the store during the early days of the pandemic, often spending his own money. Given the great need, he later organized two fundraisers on Facebook over a year and helped um, hundreds of families with groceries, rent money, and holiday gifts. The Hartford Current, the local paper, reported setting a $200 limit. Well, Golfinet, uh, the 27-year-old middle school teacher, said both financial support for his efforts and demand for assistance ended up becoming uh, higher than he, he first expected. 
He tracked 140 grocery strips on a, uh, trips rather on a spreadsheet, noting he also provided Friday night dinners to 125 families, holiday gift cards for 20 families so that they could buy gifts for their children, 31 Thanksgiving dinners, rental assistance to five families. Some local businesses donated food. It became dramatically bigger than I thought, he said. My original goal was to raise $200 to help one family with groceries. I was already uh, doubting myself when I set that up that people in town are not going to want to pay for someone else's groceries. Well, in January, Facebook sent him a 1099 form that stated he owed taxes on the money that he'd raised. Well, uh, Facebook warns users that money generated from a fundraiser on the social media platform may be taxable if more than $20,000 is raised and that a 1099 form will be issued. He said he was shocked when he thought about um, the mental spot he was in at the end of January, coming off a second fundraiser. That was quite a lot of work, busy weekends coordinating Thanksgiving holiday gifts. To get what I perceived as a bill in the in the mail for $16,000 was just shocking. Well, receive it, he did. Uh, he's now working with a local accountant to determine how best to handle the situation. His bill is due later this month. He expects to pay some sort of tax burden, but isn't sure exactly how much. Meanwhile, some people in the, in the community are now trying to help him out with a tax bill. So far, they've sent $2,000 in checks to a post office box, not through Facebook. Well, you know, what a sweet guy to try to help his neighbors, as he apparently did. And then to get a bill that covers uh, most of what he raised, kind of a sad commentary on the way things are. Well, when a coronavirus pandemic started last year, Carolina Tolliday, Vidal's piñata business in Alaska, went to pieces and not in a good way for a piñata maker. Well, many of the projects that she had were moved to other dates because, you know, you can't hold a party. Many were canceled. So she had to find fresh ideas to rejuvenate her business and settled on making large coronavirus shaped piñatas. Well, after she posted a photograph of a homemade coronavirus piñata on social media, the orders started piling up. I think you really smash them and break them and hit them with the meeting because it has uh, it's been tough for everybody. Well, one eight-year-old said she felt like beating the heck out of a coronavirus piñata at her outdoor birthday party. I could see it since I had a uh, couldn't see it since I had a blindfold. She said, but I was just like, I want to get you. Well, the uh, piñata business uh, was started about four years ago after one of um, the maker's daughters requested a piñata shaped like the character of Cloud Guy from the film Trolls, and it went on from there. Uh, You can look it up online. It's actually pretty well done. It looks just like the coronavirus. And I have to admit, I wouldn't mind having a a stick or something to beat the the stuffing out of a a coronavirus piñata myself. So next time uh, your daughter has a party, you might want to consider contacting this Alaskan business owner. James. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it it's funny though. I I've noticed at least over the last year that uh things anything that has the vagus shape of the uh coronavirus germ and immediately look at it and go, "Oh, that looks like COVID." Yeah. And so I mean, if I saw a piñata that looked like COVID, I'd be like, "It must be me. I, I it can't possibly be that." Of course, no, in this it case, is. it is. It is that. Yeah. Well, doctors told a woman that her contact lenses likely saved her vision. This woman from Michigan nearly lost her vision last week after she mistook a bottle of nail glue for eye drops. Oh! Yeah. The woman uh, said she went to sleep with her contact lenses in, but woke up at 1 a.m. and wanted to uh, take them out. 
because her eyes were dry. Well, she said she reached inside her purse and grabbed what she believed to be her eye drops. Instead, Williams took a similarly sized white bottle of nail glue, which she typically uses to repair broken fingernails. She was with her husband when she realized the mistake. I was like, oh, my goodness. And it dropped in my eye and I tried to wipe it away. And, well, that sealed her eyes shut. I just started throwing cold water and I was trying to pull my eye apart, but she couldn't. Uh, she was just screaming for her uh, for him, her husband, to call 911. Well, she was rushed to an area hospital where doctors opened her eye and removed the contact lens, according to reports. The doctors told uh, her that her contact lenses likely saved her vision. The moral of the story, if you're going to do um, eye drops, turn the light on, look at the bottle before you uh, start dropping whatever the substance is into your eye, whether or not you're wearing contact lenses. That had to have been a terrifying moment. Uh, for her when she realized what she had done. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine. that. That's just, I mean, luckily, I don't have to worry about that. I don't keep a lot of nail glue around. But, uh, you know, certainly uh, eye drops are something to be, yeah, you double check. Because I know people, that, plenty of people that have mixed up their eardrops and eye drops before. Oh, yeah, not good. Read the label, of course, if you can. Well, it's not unusual for rocks or other debris to crash through a windshield and injure a driver or a passenger. But a turtle? Well, a 71-year-old woman riding with her daughter on Florida's Interstate 95 suffered a gashed forehead on Wednesday when a turtle smashed through the windshield of their car, striking her, according to the Daytona Beach News Journal. Well, the daughter pulled over and got help from another motorist, according to a 911 um, uh, uh, recording. A turtle, the daughter exclaimed, an actual turtle. Well, the gas drew a lot of blood, but the woman who was not seriously hurt uh, survived the ordeal. The turtle was likely crossing the interstate and got knocked into the air by another vehicle. Um, this was the worst luck for the turtle and, of course, for the woman. Well, the turtle, on the other hand, had the best luck of anyone. It just had a few scratches on its shell and was released back into the nearby woods, according to local police. Now, that would have freaked me out. Having a turtle not only fly through the air, but to hit the windshield in such a way that the uh, passenger was injured. Wow. I mean, you know, when, when turtles fly. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to change that from when pigs fly. You know, these days when people are about to have a child, they make a big deal out of the gender reveal. Sometimes yes, people do. go a bit too far. Well, one gender reveal celebration that involved more than 80 pounds of explosives. Do I need to say more? rocked a New Hampshire neighborhood and beyond on Tuesday night. Well, the blast was felt as far away as northern uh, Massachusetts, um, according to the local police. Um, they found people who acknowledged holding a gender reveal party as they were trying to determine the source of the explosion, involving explosives and thought this would uh, be the safest spot to hold it. Well, the police found a container with chalk and uh, tannerite, an over-the-counter explosive uh, target used for firearms practice, sold in kit form at the quarry. The man who detonated the explosive reportedly surrendered to authorities. Obviously, depending on the amount of explosives they were using, it could be extremely dangerous. Uh, they didn't immediately respond uh, to whether or not this was um, chargeable, but uh, one of the, uh, I guess the young daughter of the couple, um, responded to the newspaper saying that, um, the explosion was frightening. We live in a four-family townhouse, and it shook our house so bad that we thought someone drove into our building. The kids were scrambling earthquake before asking 
what it was. Well, the gender reveal parties have made headlines in recent years after a series of deadly accidents. Most recently, two pilots were killed when a plane crashed into the water off Cancun, Mexico last month. The plane was was uh, streaming a pink s- substance while the parents-to-be and friends watched from a boat. It's a girl. The guests are, uh, are heard uh, screaming. Moments later, the plane plunged into the water. You know, just uh, wear a pink shirt. Tell your family we're expecting this is what we're having or just wait and find out. Last year, a gender reveal celebration in California was responsible for a wildfire in which a firefighter was killed. I think enough said about gender reveals. Hey, James, we're out of time. We need to take a break and traffic at the top of the hour. And then in the second hour, we're going to share the Christian Outlook. I had the opportunity to host this week, so look forward to sharing that with you. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.